Hi, this is Michael Castillejos, Worship Director at Trinity Grace Church Park Slope. And this is a conversation with Patricia Manwary, a very familiar face around our community. Rather than tell you about her, I want to describe the scene as I waited to interview her at her coffee shop, slash community center, slash outpost of the kingdom of God, otherwise known as Roots Cafe. In the few minutes I waited, setting up my gear, I saw a few teenagers come in to drop off school supplies for a school drive, someone being forgiven the few dollars they were short to pay for their coffee, and a customer light up when Patricia remembered a small detail he had mentioned in a previous conversation. In brief, I saw many examples of someone putting into practice the servant heart at the center of the way of Jesus. I'm sure you'll find encouragement as I did in hearing her tell about her last few months. So what we're trying to do with these conversations is to drill down from this general idea of following God to how are people specifically doing it and like what does that tangibly look like for them? I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to, to chat with you is this is just what I know about. In the pandemic, uh, you have taken uh, what is what was arguably a doomsday scenario for uh, a food service establishment. And you've said, what could we do that, uh, that would serve the people around us? And so I've seen uh, you guys uh, start a, a donation-based food pantry and then a delivery service based on that. And I know now that you guys are doing these, these rich conversations around uh, processing the pandemic and then also a school drive. So that's just what I know about. Um, can, you, can you say a little bit about how, what that process was like for you to go from global pandemic to this is what I'm gonna do? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking watching the businesses around us close. Um, uh, one of the bartenders down the street died. Um, there was just definitely like a tangible anxiety in the air. And we were watching our numbers plummet. Our staff was leaving or we were, you know, trying to figure out who, how to keep people on or what to do about that. And um, I remember having this moment where I just felt like just the weightiness of it um, and just the, it just was so gut-wrenching, I guess is a good word. Um, and I remember at the time, mid-March, just feeling like I should pray about it. And um, I also felt like I did, couldn't pray hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Um, I just I could, I was like trying to hold it together and it was just like, how do, what does, so I, I remember I um, got down on my hands and knees and, and I, wow. I decided like I, I, regardless of what I say, I'm gonna physically posture. Um, towards God right now. And so mm. I, I got down on my hands and, my, and knees in the living room, which isn't like a normal, I'm not nor, a normal knee prayer. Yeah. But, <laughs> some um, people are. Which I love, aren't. you know. Yeah, so this was totally. like a little out of the ordinary for me, but I do believe um, that we we can, you know, pray and worship with our bodies. So um, I got down on my knees and I just started to feel like a sense of peace. And um, it just was really bizarre because I hadn't even started saying anything. Wow. And I realized just in that moment that um, everything was going to lo look a little bit different just moving forward, but just feeling God, God's nearness in it. Mm -hmm. So in a, the coffee shop, we essentially did a similar thing. We kind of postured 
the coffee shop toward, towards um, love and compassion versus anxiety and mm. panic. So we, we pushed tables together. That's what we did. And everybody else did the rest. You know, everybody donated money, like sent food, d- delivered food, um, packed bags. So we um, we got to kind of stand in, in a sense. That there was a moment where I felt like it was kind of just an inter- intercessory posture of standing between need hmm. and provision, and just kind of connecting the two. Has that idea of pushing into serving the other is that has that always been a part of your I don't know the way you conceive of following God yeah I would definitely say so I mean I think the thought of Jesus as a servant leader and and, and saying like you know washing the disciples feet or being the first to do the dirty work of touching people nobody else wanted to touch or, or sitting with the people nobody else wanted to sit um I feel like he postured himself towards service so I think when we are following him, it, it looks like caring for others. It looks like serving one another. Is it hard for you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think some people are like, yeah. man, that sounds so hard. There's no way I could ever do that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I could see them, someone listening to be like, well, that's Patricia. That just must be what she is. It's easy for her or something like that. But how, how do you experience it? Um. Well, a quick aside, which I think could kind of help to describe it, is I was thinking recently about how the way Gareth and I work as a marriage has shifted over the last Mm. 13 years. Um, And how when we, just in terms of how we spoke to one another, the language we used when we spoke to each other was obviously very different when we were dating to even when we were married and had different issues to talk about then and then raising children and like learning how to talk to each other just with distractions. Mm. And then when we took over the coffee shop, um, we had to learn how to like fight productively because um, we both cared about the same thing but had very different ways of seeing how it could happen. So it was, um, and it required fighting. But it, but it had to be like effective, persuasive arguments that um, could honor the other person in theory. I mean, we don't know. Like you, but, yeah. the, but the idea of like, you know, learning to talk to one another in language shifting. And I think the same is true with how we follow God. I think that the language I used when um, I, as a kid growing up in a Christian home is very different now. And I, and I remember at one point um, just feeling really numb. Maybe it was April. And I just... I was not reading the Bible, which I've always been a passionate Bible reader. And, you know, it just felt like uh, none of the things that I used to go to worked. Like, mm. And um, I just remember, like, in the back, making in the kitchen, making these free grilled cheese sandwiches that we were giving away and realizing, in a sense, that if Jesus cares about feeding the poor, then essentially maybe, like, making grilled cheese sandwiches is a way of praying. Wow. So I think that like being willing to adapt my understanding of what prayer and following God look like. Wow. I that that's 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 a thought that probably won't ever be on like a t-shirt or a bumper <laughs> sticker, but that idea of making grilled cheeses is a way of praying. I think you just said it. I think you just said it. I I had a conversation with Caleb early in the pandemic about he came I think to do the one of the food deliveries and he was struck. He, he said, of all the things that I've done, that's the thing that I'm most sure was right. 
or something along that. He could probably put it better of what he actually said, but um, yeah, it's almost like the, it was, there was, I can relate to that numbness. I think a lot of us could relate to that numbness early on in all of this and maybe still, and, and yet somehow the, the serving in that, it does feel like the rightest, truest prayer we could pray. Um, so I, I'd love to hear about like, what, what do you, what do you got going on now? I know I've, I've heard about the conversations you guys are, are hosting. I'd love to hear more about that. And then, uh, also the school drive, just anything that's going on now. Yeah. Um, we're participating in a school drive, which is kind of a funny story because I feel like a lot of this for me has been God providing, um, before the need. So there will be like provision before need. And, um, this man who owns the decomposition notebook company contacted me and wanted to donate four cases of notebooks. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm sure we can pass them out. But, but then I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pass out all of these notebooks? And, um, I could put them on the table, but I just want to make sure that the, the idea was for school kids. So I was trying to find someone to start a school drive with like camp friendship or, you know, so I'm trying and I'm trying to set up this meeting and I'm trying to figure this out. And all of a sudden I walked in, it was my day off and I walked in and there was a box on the table with a sign that said South Brooklyn Mutual Aid School Drive. So it just and it was just hilarious because um, I guess everybody knew I was trying to set up a school drive and they just didn't bother to ask the person who walked in if it was the person I had been trying to set up the school drive with. So um, it worked amazingly. We just got kind of um coaxed along into this other thing that was happening and it and that's been really great justin christensen is donating like hundreds of masks so it's um that's been fun so yeah we're we're doing that um that's amazing yeah and then we're starting a conversation series about what it's been like to to be here in the midst of this um david is helping develop the the language and the guided kind of conversation to create space to talk about loss, but to talk about also the good things, the silver lining things. Mm. Um, for us, one of the silver linings has been Gareth being home and taking walks. We we went to this one mountain, this one spot in Bear Mountain again and again and again, and we watched spring come to Ooh, this space. And we've wow. never like had a relationship with, I mean, we're New York Cityers. We're, you know, we, it's just so to, to have that connection with, land and nature was really important for us um and you know also carrying the tension of him being home and not having a job so there's like that (laughs) mixture of like bittersweet you know so sure no i i love that i mean almost everyone that i've talked to or anyone that i've talked to at length um has said there's been a lot of hard things and there have actually been beautiful things in this Mm -hmm. and the the different relationship to time has been i think neat for a lot of people like you said in a normal year, watching the coming and going of spring, just not something you have time to just sit and appreciate. No. Yeah. Right. But then thanks to the pandemic, no. that's hard to say, but thanks to the pandemic, I think a lot of us had time to, to do, to do, to observe life in a new way. Um, that's awesome. Um, what like overall, I think I'm curious, like what has kept you sane in all of this? Oh, gosh. Um, you mentioned that early on, or you mentioned that historically reading your Bible is something that is grounding for you, and and yet early on in the pandemic, that was hard. Um, have there been other things that have been 
grounding or like I said, kept, have kept you sane? Um, I've read some books. Um, uh, I took a class on, in the midst of all this, on community oh, yeah. development and church planting, um, which was just realizing there are other coffee shops that are mm-hmm. trying to do this same thing was really important for us. Um, there's some really amazing coffee shops in Illinois and Alabama that are um, using their space and their influence in the community to care for the homeless or care for people in trauma. And um, it was just kind of eye-opening to to think like, oh, this, this thing that we're kind of like trying to figure out, like other people are also trying to figure out how to do that. So, so that was really, really cool. Um, Can I just interrupt? What were the books that you found most most useful? Um, I think it was one of Rob Bell's books on how to read the Bible or something okay. like that. Um, I've like listened to a lot of audiobooks while I'm like here sure. in the morning. And, audiobooks um, are great. I'm in the middle of reading and he writes book on Paul, which I, okay. I I kind of tend to read like six or seven books at the same time. <laughs> I'm reading like Alan Hirsch's book, The Forgotten Way, which so bizarrely I had started um, reading in maybe January, February, and then paused. I felt like I'd gotten to, I, I had what I needed and I was going to pause it and just live out of it for a minute. Sure. And it was all about missional community. It was all about people coming together through uh, like being a- true community, being activated toward mission through wow. mission. So, um, and then the, then this whole pandemic hit and we were able to kind of experience, I mean, just beautiful, true community through moving together through mission in mission. Um, and then I picked it up the other day and the next, the heading for the next part was about the gospel as a virus. Jeez. Isn't that wild? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So it was kind I, of... I love that. Um, I don't know if you enjoyed school or didn't enjoy school, but I, I liked it. And I, I love that idea of sometimes life can still sort of function as like you get a book and you, you learn, like you read a, like a missional community chapter and then God throws you in the lab version. Yeah. And like you have been in the lab of developing a missional community. And then you're like, oh, I guess I, should, I, guess I should pick the pick the, the book back up and see where that is. And I love that. I, I, I've i had conversations with other people where, where they've sort of said, I read six books at once. I read just enough of one. Yeah. Then I switch to the other. And um, that's awesome. Any other books you want to recommend? Um, the Paul book by N.T. Wright is okay. really... Phenomenal. I was reading just a little portion of it last night, and he was just talking about how the way he prayed without ceasing, because it's like, mm. well, what does that look like? And he was just describing how um, this constant, like he's constantly taking the songs or the promises or the just the language of this, this ancient language of the scriptures, and he's applying them to Christ. But he's also doing this other thing in prayer, which I think is really interesting. It's not just this is all the stuff I need or these are all my concerns, or here's the storm I'm living in the midst of, it's constantly remembering what God has done for him. Mm. And he was making the point that um, it was that constant reminder of of God stepping in, God saving, God revealing himself that was the fuel that kept him going. And I think that's a good reminder right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago that uh, early on in all of this, prayer was hard. So I'm just curious, what is prayer like now? What does it look like for you now? You, you I mentioned at one point it was 
hands and knees, and then another point it was um, a grilled cheese. <laughs> so what what what's it look like for you now? I think honestly, um, I still feel a little numb. Mm. Um, I used to really love like sitting in front of the piano and just kind of singing my own songs. Oh, I dig that. I dig that. Yeah, and I feel like um, I've tried to go to that space over the last couple weeks, and it doesn't feel the same. Like mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I, in a weird way, I kind of can't connect emotionally to God right now. Mm. But I think that what tends to happen is when we have this pattern of how we relate to God, when we, when that doesn't feel like it's happening, we freak out. Totally. And I'm just, yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, God, like maybe emotions are just a little crazy because of these eight months. So maybe there's other ways you're meeting me. And I think he meets me through books and I think Mm -hmm. he meets me. Um, I've, I've been very slowly reading the Bible again. I had it out on the table for like two hours and then maybe read it for like, 15 minutes. So, it was, but it was sitting there on the table next to me for a while. So that was great. But, um, that is, that, that's you know, something. it's like a step forward. Um, I just, I think the clutter in my mind, it's hard to quiet. But, um, I was think, reading that part about Jesus in the storm with the disciples and how he's sleeping. Totally. And how it's like a legit storm. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not like they were like freaking out and making like a big deal about something tiny. Like they were like freaking out. Yeah. And, um, Jesus obviously like quiets the storm speaks to the waves and the wind but then asks them where their faith is Mm. and i was asking myself like that in the sense of what does it look like to have faith when you're in the midst of the storm because i i think it's maybe okay to panic sometimes you know but maybe what it means is we you know we panic with our eyes open you know we're, we're still looking at jesus and we're still believing that he is who he is and um I also feel like he's a lot more real than we give him credit for. I feel mm-hmm. like he he's okay with us being where we're at, and we don't have to like figure out where we're at before we go to him. And I think that's one of the things that deters people from seeking God is like yeah. they feel like they're a hot mess and they want to figure that out, you know, so they can be like in a good place to go have their quiet time thing. And and I think sometimes like you got to go in the hot mess moment, totally, and just be like I'm a hot mess, and then maybe that's it, and maybe. God just meets you there in that somehow. So, yeah, that is man, that is so good. I again, my hope in having these conversations is for for people to to sort of sort of pierce the myths of following Jesus. And I think one of the myths is that it's just roses all the time. Yeah. And I feel like it's like the more people I talk to, the more validating it is that it's just a relationship like any other. Mm-hmm. And there's good days and there's bad days. There's happy days and there's frustrated days. And then there are days when literally Jesus is asleep in the biggest storm of your life. And you're yeah. like, no, it is a real storm and you are actually asleep. How does that compute? I don't understand how that syncs with the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah. And yet I think the Bible gives us that story and others where you're like, oh, no, that's in there. He, he kind of says that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so it's just it's just I really appreciate that you would share that because I know that someone will hear this and, and say, that's how I feel. That's a hundred percent how I feel. Um, I felt that way. I, <laughs> I have certainly felt that way in all of this. Um, I can't promise that this is my last question, but answer it as though it was my last question. Um, so you've learned, you've been through this, this traumatic experience that we've all been through and through it, you have responded by 
really creating or, or maybe stewarding a community of people towards love and service. So I look at that and I think, wow, that's, that's this beautiful trans- transformative experience. So, okay, what would you, having been through that and learned that, what would you tell yourself whether right before the pandemic or even like 10 years ago? Like, what would you tell yourself um, that, that you've learned? How would you formulate the lessons that you have learned for yourself? I think that we have this idea that when we follow God and we're in the midst of something that's difficult, like he's going to save us from it. Mm. Maybe and somehow make the difficult thing go away. Um, And I think I've realized in the midst of that, that, I mean, this is one of those situations that was so prolonged and, um, you know, not knowing when things were going to get better, just like how to like dig your feet in a little bit. I think I would tell myself it's going to be way worse than you think it is. And you're just going to have to like hold it together and you're going to meet God in the midst of it. And it's going to be hard, hmm. but um, it's also going to be beautiful. Wow. I mean, when we started this, we thought it was going to end in maybe April. And right. we ended up doing food deliveries. We were delivering to 51 families twice a week, 208 people until June, the end of June. And then we said we would leave the food pantry element of, the, uh, of this thing up in the coffee shop until the end of August thinking surely this will be over by then and it's the end of August and it's there's still so much need our eyes have been opened to need in a way we didn't realize existed in our in our neighborhood um and and things have there's I mean there's still fear and anxiety and um there's still joblessness um there's still a lot of concern so I, I think it was harder than I, I thought but I was I was talking to David Lowe the day and he was talking about the story where Hagar gets kind of kicked out and she's like in the wilderness and she's like, I mean she she had done what she was asked to do and it doesn't work out for her and she's sitting trying to get a sip of water and God meets her there so he tells Hagar to come to, who's fleeing a difficult situation to go back into it and um, she's not getting rescued from it. She's getting sent back, but with her heart's desire, which is the son, and, um, and he's going to be the father of many nations. And I think my heart's desire has been the church. Um, for so long, it's been the church. Um, for so long, there's just been this longing in my heart to see um, the beauty of the people of God standing up um, as as the bride coming out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved like there's something beautiful about the body of Christ when she's standing up and looking like she's supposed to and I feel like we got to do that in the midst of this I feel like we got to show so many people who are skeptical skeptical about Christianity or who've walked away from faith like we got to show them together what what the church looks like and the church has been so profoundly in this from the beginning. I, I remember when we first put up, even before we made an Amazon wish list in the beginning of April, I started getting regular packages from Sarah Bishop. Mm. And I didn't know, who, I, just, I don't know if I've ever met her, but like it was this constant, like these boxes coming in, peanut butter and oil. And then finally I, I asked 
I think Amanda Sister, if she knew who she was, and she she mentioned she was from TGC, or she, maybe she had been she was opening a box and it was from Sarah. And I realized all these boxes around me that I was opening were were, were it was church people, it was mm. TGC, and um, and then getting to see people as they were volunteering and having people driving, and it, and it was just this moment of like shared mission pointing to the heart of God. Yeah. So I feel like in the midst of this, I did have to keep going back again and again and again into a difficult situation. I mean, there were days where like everyone was so scared and not wanting to have any interaction with other people. And then I'm going to stand like two feet away from people all day, Yeah. you know, and yeah. just there was a day where um, a, a woman from down the street, a bodega, well, I, I went to buy something and she she didn't have it. I don't think either of us were wearing masks at the time. And she leaned over to talk to me, and I, I could feel her breath in my mouth. Mm. And I I went home and I cried. Like I was just like, this is my moment of, I might die. And yeah. you know, and I've never yeah. felt that way about people before. I've never been afraid of people before. Yeah. But um, I think it's that whole thing of balancing that fear, but also this other thing that we believe in and we're believing towards, like that God is going to show up in the midst of it, that He's going to provide for us. He's going to reveal himself, and he did. There was one time when I got a phone call. We had sent bags out that morning. We had sent, like, 36 bags, and and then the food pantry had been shopped, so there was hardly any food. And I got a phone call from, like, a school board person, and they said that a family had contacted them needing food, and they knew we had food, and could we bring them food somehow? So I told her to call back in five minutes. And I just felt like, are you kidding me? Like, I give so much and there's, it's never, you know, and I was having one yeah. of those, like, kind of moments where I was about to lose it. And it's like, it's, you know, I'm like standing in front of the ocean of endless need. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I'm, wow. and my sister from, so as I'm like on the edge of about being about to kind of lose it, my sister from in the kitchen kind of calls out. She'd overheard my side of the conversation and she's like, oh, I accidentally packed an extra bag of food. Wow. It's over by the couch. And then two minutes later, Jamie Sicuti um, mm-hmm. walked in and she was, she was going to, she was donating something to the pantry and I asked her if she would bring this food to the family and she wow. said yes. Wow. So by the time the woman called back, I had a bag of food and someone to drive it. So it was those kinds of moments again and wow. again and again. And, you know, that idea of like God's word being a light to our feet. I, I was thinking about that in the midst of this, that like, that's like maybe two feet. Like this is written by someone who has like a candle, yeah. right? Like it's not a lot of light, you know, but just huh. that idea of, him being with us, him being with us, him being with us. And I think that's something that I cling to. Like there are things in the last couple of years that I've wrestled with about God and his character and his nature. And I think that that's important. I think we shouldn't be afraid of that. But but the thing that I know is that he is with us. Like yeah. I, I, I know that he is with us. And yeah. he's with us in the difficult moments that don't make sense. And he's with us in the beautiful moments that bring us to our knees. But he is with us. Whoo! I feel like I feel like I could interview you every week <laughs> and just be like, what do you the what'd you learn this week? Goodness. Um, well, I want to I want to respect your time. And I just want to say thank you so much both for 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 this, for talking with me and also just for everything that you have done. I uh, I know I'm not the only person that would tell you this but we are so proud of you. Oh. We are so, so grateful for you and proud of you. And uh, you and Gareth and your family have um, have been the gospel. And you have 
been preaching the gospel, whether with words or not, with your lives through this. And uh, we all have so much to learn from you. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your time. And uh, until next time, because I have a feeling we'll be speaking again. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions about our church or how to follow the way of Jesus, you can check out tgcparkslope.com or drop us an email at care at trinitygracechurch.com.